0: Welcome to Puckheads. I'm Matt Rosenberg. Alongside me, Zach Smith, as he is uh, returned with all, everything intact on his travails from Vegas. And see hear about all of his, his wins that he was piling up later in Smith's hits. But uh, it's two weeks until the trade deadline. We're not going to get a whole lot of the trade deadline this week. We'll get into it next week as we see more and more trades happen, which I suspect we will. Uh, But this week, our our first topic is Alex Ovechkin's Chase for 700. I believe it's it's either going to be on national TV tonight or it's on ESPN+. It's on one of the two. Uh, I've seen conflicting information from both of them. I think NBC switched it out and put the Washington game on their uh, cable sports network tonight, but I'm not entirely sure, but... Zach, I mean, think about this. So Vetchkin's on the cusp of a tremendous accomplishment, one that really, until a couple of weeks ago, didn't look likely uh, that he might even get there this year until he had this huge goal-scoring surge. He's tied for first uh, in the NHL for goal scored this year. He's at 40. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty
1: remarkable that, you know, he's doing this in his age 34 season. Yeah. Um, He's such a spectacular talent. He's been ever since, you know, the first day he stepped on the ice. Um, going for 700 goals, I mean, it's 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 a great feat. He's currently number eight um, all-time in the NHL in goals scored. And it's just, uh, you know, even though he's been a, a, a rival to one of the teams I enjoy in Pittsburgh, he's been awesome to watch just as a fan of hockey.
0: Yeah, he has. And then one of the things that you've seen with Alex Ovechkin is just, I, I mean, he, you mentioned it, he's what? going to be 34 or he is 34 already and he just continues to get it done and i mean look at it in the pace i don't think there's any reason why he can't get another dozen goals this year and be at 710 and if he's around the 710 mark uh he's not too far from mike gartner then who i believe is at 717 uh which would be the next person that he's going to pass up he's passed up a bunch of guys but you're looking at the possibility that he's around 750 if not above that's here. I I personally think that he is going to eclipse Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring. I know he's a little bit what he's one ninety six away from tying Gretzky, but look, if he just maintains and I was talking about this to uh, Pat when I was on Saturday, is that if he maintains a thirty goal pace, right? Let's say he finishes at seven ten, he would have eight ninety at his eight thirty nine forty season at the end of it which means he only need five. And, and really, if you think about it, if he goes to, you know, 40 a year, he's going to be there in five years. I mean, the way that Vetchkin scores goals, I just don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I. when you look at the
1: numbers, he's just under 200 away from Gretzky, uh, sitting at 894. I, You know, I crunched some numbers just to see what the pace would be that he needs and the pace he's been at. So if you exclude the... If you exclude this year, just because it's an incomplete year, so I didn't want it to throw off his per-season numbers, and I took out the lockout-shortened season, he's putting up about 47 a year. Obviously, he's got a chance to you know, eclipse that by a good amount this season, the pace he's been on. So, if he stays that hot, he needs four years, to four to five years to catch Gretzky. If he goes down to, like you are saying, that shorter 30 a year, um, he might need a few more years, but... You know, I think it's going to be close. I think he'll end in the top three, whether he catches Gretzky, I'm not sure. Just because the league's becoming so fast and so athletic, um, you know, I don't think the game's going to pass him by just because of how talented he is. But I think it's going to be close once you get to that 36-37. You know, there's only a few players that remain super competitive at that point. If anyone in the league's got it right now, I mean, why not Ovechkin? He's been so good for so long.
0: Yeah, and I apologize. Uh, Mike Gartner's at 708. I'm thinking of Phil Esposito at 717. But you look at it, he probably has a legitimate chance to pass Gartner here in the last two months in the season at 708. And he has, you know, the way he's scoring goals. I mean, if he's going to get to 55 this year, that's going to put him right on the doorstep of Phil Esposito. Uh, After that, Marcel Dion is in fifth at 731. At 741 is Brett Hall. So I I don't see any reason why he's not in the top four by the end of that season. And anyway, Yarmir Gagar at 766, Gordy Howe, of course, at 801, and Elway Gretzky at 894. To me, I mean, I just think of, okay, I think he's going to get to 710 by the end of the season. And if he gets to 710 and, you know, then 40 puts him at 750. Then you're only 140 away. Where really, you only need four seasons of 35 to get to Or 36 to tie Gretzky which to me is doable for Alex Ovechkin. If he could get another 40 year old season, he doesn't even have to average 40 over the next four seasons. I just, I don't know. To me, I think he's going to get there, Zach. I think he's going to be effective well into his late 30s and he'll do enough damage where, you know, I, I just don't see Ovechkin falling off a cliff goal-scoring-wise.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be close um, for him. I I can't really say one way or another if I think he's going to get there or not just because, you know, it. 200 goals is a lot. Obviously, we, we take it a little bit for granted because he's been so efficient for his whole career. Um, I certainly think he's going to end up at least number two. I think he'll eclipse 800. And uh, I think you said How is at 801 in, in the second place. So, um, you know, I, I think it comes down to when you look at some of these records, you know, what kind of not even the athlete what kind of person are they you know some guys they want those records some guys you know they'll play and they'll extend themselves a few seasons to get those records is Ovechkin like that I think all signs indicate yes he's been competitive um, you know his whole his whole career um, you know he's one of the best competitors in the game I think it would be a lock for sure if Washington hadn't won that cup because I think not only would he be chasing Gretzky he'd be chasing that elusive cup but now that he has that, who knows if he's going to want to stick around till his age forty season, or if he's going to want to play two more years and enjoy um, his health as you know a thirty six or thirty seven year old. He's got a good chance. I mean, it's going to be close. I think he eclipses eight hundred easily, and we'll just see it, um, if he's wanting to chase down Gretzky.
0: It'll be exciting to see him do this uh, over the next couple of years And just see how close I mean, it's a fun chase Because it's one of those hollow records, you know It's very similar to when Bonds was going after Hank Aaron's record And, and you, know, you know, just that race And, and it's, it's always fun when you see that history get into the game So, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see I, I know it seems like you're on the fence And, and that you don't think he's going to get it I think he's going to get it um, I, I will say that European, I've heard from other people as well That they don't think he's going to get it I just don't see him you know, slowing down anytime soon. That's why I think Alex Hovechkin, by the time his career is up, will be the all-time goal-scoring leader.
1: Yeah, and I do want to say, Gretzky is, you know, one of the best players of all time for a reason. I've seen a few people, you know, argue the difference of era and the skill level that they're going against. Gretzky, you know, made it look easy. It just looks so, so flawless. Um, He made, you know, the people he played against look like they weren't even close on the same skill level. I, I don't want to be a, you know, a, a recency bias sort of person or, or take. For Ovechkin to do, what he's done as the game becomes more athletic um, and the goalies especially become more skilled. It's It just speaks to how great he's been. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to go down as one of the best players of the game. And um, I agree. It's even as someone who has cheered openly against Ovechkin just as a fan, Um, of a certain team. As a fan of hockey, you can't ask for anything better than
0: um, the kind of career he's had. Don't forget the goalies were different at Gretzky's time. They didn't play butterfly style. They was all stand up and, you know – uh, to me, the goalies are better nowadays because they have better training when they're younger. Uh, they're bigger. Uh, you know, the pads are bigger. It's harder to me to score than the ones at Gretzky's era. I mean, think about all the times you just see a slap shot from 40 feet go in. and like the goalie just would try to stick their foot out to stop it, which seems incredibly dumb nowadays, so you know how, you know, how uh, fast a piece of vulcanized rubber gets. Um, it's pretty dumb, but, you know, people did a lot of dumb things back them. Um, All right, going to Ramel's selection. How about the Colorado Avalanche? They've won four in a row, seven of their last eight. uh, and only loss is to Philly on the road, uh, and then they won their last four games on this road trip, including a 3-2 win against Minnesota last night. But the Colorado Avalanche have pulled within three points on the St. Louis Blues for not only the Central Division League, but the top spot in the West. So let's face it. The top spot in the West is going to go to the winner in the Central Division. Uh, They will have the number one seed in home ice throughout the entire Western Conference playoffs. But, you know, this is a Colorado team that was struggling a couple weeks ago. And now that Phil Grubauer, uh, he's gotten into a little bit of a groove. This whole team... Uh, you know, I think it's no coincidence, you know, Kale McCart is an engine that drives this team on the back end, along with Nathan McKinnon, who scored his 34th goal in the season last night. Uh, and this is a Colorado team, again, very impressive, making a run at the St. Louis Blues, who've been basically unchallenged for, what, about the better part of three months now, on top of the West. <laughs> so, I, I don't know what your thoughts are about Colorado, but, uh, out of this, they have 18 wins on the road, second-most wins on the road in the NHL. They are 26-1-4 and four when leading after two periods.
1: Yeah, I mean, Colorado, we talked about it from, um, you know, the podcast that previewed the season. We both had them as, you know, making that next step this year. Obviously, they get into the playoffs last year. They make a surprising run. Um, they don't go as deep as they probably wanted to, but um, you know we saw them as that team on the rise, and we're seeing it play out. You know, late into the season at this point, as you said, they're only three points back. I still think I think Saint Louis is going to hold that top spot. I think you know they struggled. They're three five and two in their last ten. Um, they, you know, we've we know that they can take those challenges and still rebound from it. I think it's pretty clear these are the two best teams in the West um, and easily two of the best teams in the entire league. So it's really going to be a, a race to the finish, I think, for both of them. Um, I don't have a dog in the fight. I love watching Colorado play. They're so exciting, not just on the offensive end, which we knew they had the pieces for, but now they've got the goaltending and defense to go along with it. So um it's tough. I, I'm not going to be surprised if they overtake the Blues, but it's pretty clear one of these top two teams, uh, you know, the West is going to have to go through them.
0: Do we really know, like, you know, we know who the two best teams in the West are, but we don't really know what the third best team in the West is because it's just a cluster of teams in the Pacific, you have know, Dallas, you know, and teams below Colorado and St. Louis. In the uh, you know, in the Central Division, it's going to be very interesting to see is there' a team that rises up and is able to assert their dominance in just this cluster muck of a Western Conference beneath Colorado and St. Louis.
1: Yeah, I, and this is kind of going into our our next topic, um, just how crazy the West really is once you're outside those top two teams. I don't want to be someone who just makes my decision based off the points. Because if you go down, Dallas sits at number three in the Central with 67 points, and that's more than any team in the Pacific has. So I don't feel comfortable saying that Dallas is better than Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas, Calgary. I mean, they've got more points, but I really think the Pacific has just cannibalized itself so much that the points kind of, uh, they understate how good that, that division really is. But I don't know, man. It's tough. Once you get past St. Louis and Colorado, I think Dallas is pretty solid uh, in that number three spot. But then you go one through three in the Pacific is still up in the air for me. The wild card is going to go between, I think, four teams, Um, whoever doesn't make it out of those top three in the Pacific. So I just – it's fun. It's exciting because it is so highly contested. But, man, I don't have any clarity on what's going to happen.
0: No, I don't either, and I think you look at this wildcard race, and the fact is that I think it comes down to, you know, we get rid of the three, you know, automatic spots in each division. The two wildcard spots, to me, come down to six teams, and that's going to be, you know, whichever two of Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Arizona, and Vegas don't make it in the guaranteed top three spots, along with Winnipeg, Nashville, Minnesota, and Chicago. I, to me, it's going to be, you know, those six you know, teams are going to be the ones that ultimately fight for it, unless one of them can surge up and catch Dallas in the Central, which, I don't know, I mean, I would have said the Hawks a week ago, the way they were playing, and then they give away points uh, left and right these past three games. And so, you, you know, just when you think that you have a team figured out and a team that's okay now ready to take charge and then all of a sudden they don't and so it's going to be very interesting to see uh now let's face it Chicago's worst matchup is probably against Colorado in the playoff series so you'll never be the one team that Chicago probably wouldn't want to see and but they have their own issues um I mean you look at this wild west Wild card race right now. Winnipeg and Calgary have the two wild card spots with 63 and 62 points respectively. Arizona is only one point out. You have Nashville that's only three points out. They've had a nice little surge, and then you have Minnesota and Chicago that are only trailing Calgary by four. And you you have Calgary that has the Mark Giordano injury. That's a huge injury for the Calgary Flames. Arizona, Jersey Kemper. uh, You know Taylor Hall hasn't looked right. You know, he hasn't been, I think, the impact edition that they thought they would in Arizona. Nashville's still waiting to see if Ryan Ellis can come back. Uh, you know, all of these teams have just major, major question marks. So, Winnipeg, it looks like Justin Buffalo's going to get a mutual buyout at some point. Uh, is Bufflin going to be ready to play for somebody? And and could that turn the tide of this playoff race? I mean, you think about any of these teams would love to have Dustin Bufflin, if healthy, in their lineup. And, and honestly, the first thought that comes to mind is that the Blackhawks should go after Dustin Bufflin. And give yourself, a, you know, you want to give your, your struggling power play a major jolt. You'll get Dustin Bufflin on your team. And we're going to talk about the Blackhawks in a few moments. But I, I, I just don't know what to make of this West wildcard race and really the Pacific Division along with it. Because it's like every week it just turns over. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: when you get close to playoff time, I think the biggest factor that, you know, plays a role is the leadership and the experience. Have you been there? Have you done it before? You know, Vegas is still young, even though they made that run in their first season. I still think they have the experience and leadership on that team, Uh, especially when you look at Flurry and Nett. He's been there, you know, for. Pittsburgh Penguins and for Vegas so I feel good about them Nashville even though they didn't bring that cup home a few years back they still have the experience of making a deep run and you know how to dig down deep and and put everything together Um, Chicago they still have some of the few pieces that know what it's like even though they've been out of the hunt for the last couple years so I don't know. It, the teams are so good, but they're so young. I mean, Vancouver. Who do you look for on that experience? The Sedine Twins are gone. You know, your best players have. You know, a few of them have made runs before, but overwhelmingly they don't. Edmonton. They don't have any guys that have made those. Um, that have made those runs. Winnipeg. Again, you're losing. It looks like you're losing. Buffalo. Calgary. You had the top seed last year, but you didn't make it far. Um, the experience and the leadership comes in important here, and I just don't see it on at least you know four or five of the teams. So who's going to be able to buck the trend and show that they have what it takes, even though they're young and inexperienced? It's uh, it's going to be exciting. One way or another, we're going to have great hockey, and there's nothing better than getting into the last couple of weeks, and every game counts, and and that's all you can hope for as a fan. And we'll see where the chips lay at the
0: end. Well, and that's exactly what the NHL wants. That's why they don't go to a three-point rule for the win because they want everybody to have a chance at the end. It's much like the NFL. You know, we want parity because, oh, it keeps everybody engaged in it and everybody still thinks they have a chance, even though, you know, you're playing for the right to get blown out by a Central Division powerhouse probably in the first round if you're the last team in. Um, You know, you look at it and... I, I, yeah, I, I just don't know what to make of it. For all the points and details, there's not a lot of teams that have a lot of experience. Vegas has the most experience, but they can't get their head out of their behinds, uh, uh, you know, in this Pacific Division. And Calgary, you know, won the division last year, and they're just busy scuffling along. It's it's really going to be whatever team goes on a run first and pulls away is going to win this division. And I really like this Vancouver team. Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, uh, Bo Horvat. You got a lot of great young talent on this Vancouver team, but you mentioned a good point: who's going to hit that wall first? And you know, you hit that wall, especially now, before the trade deadline, and it could change the way your GM deals with your team. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, quite frankly, have no no idea how to make heads or tails from this playoff race.
1: Yeah, it's um, I'm I'm just you know. I'm so surprised because this this whole Pacific division has been in gridlock since the first month. And we figured, you know, uh, we had a few teams in mind that were going to break out of it. And it's just remained um, as complex and um, as competitive the entire time. I mean, when you look at Vancouver at the top spot in the Pacific with 65 points, then you have Arizona, you know, five teams back with 61 points. I mean, it's just so... Uh, it's a flip of a coin I think at this point. I, I can make a case for every single team. I don't know if I can make a case against any of the teams. It's just that um, it's that crazy to me and I'm just excited to watch some of these games as uh, as they turn not only into important games for this season, but this is going to be a great rivalry between all five of these teams for the next few years because they're so young and talented.
0: Yeah, and you look at the California teams, which look like they are in the middle of rebuilds, and San Jose looks like they might have to blow up their very disappointing team. And, I mean, th- their injuries have just derailed their scenes. Any chance of a comeback with Logan Couture and uh, T- Tomas Hernal both out for the season. But, you know, you look at this, and, and let's go over onto the East, where uh, what about Montreal trying to get back into the race? They're missing Shea Weber. I believe they are five points behind Toronto for that third playoff spot in the Atlantic division. They're at 61 points. But, you know, St. Weber just went on the injured list. And some Montreal team, they won nine of their last 12 and um, you know, they won seven of their last nine. And, and I mean, you, you look at it, they don't have a whole lot of offense, but you know, Tomas Tartar, uh, you know, four goals, nine assists in his last 12 games. He has uh, 16 points so another three assists as well since January 2nd, but Tatars are leading the scorer at 51 points and nobody else is even at 40 yet on this team, but Montreal if they keep finding a way to win not even, you know, carry, carry price isn't necessarily the sharpest all the time but I, I just you know, it's been a nice run by Montreal they got Jonathan Druin back, which is great for them, I just don't know if they have enough to make the playoffs and, to, you know, eclipse Toronto because they would have to get the three seed in the Atlantic division in order to make the playoffs. Yeah. It's
1: the point you just made was the exact point I had for them. Do they have enough offense to, to be a serious contender for a playoff spot? And I just don't think it's there. I mean, seven and three in the last 10 um, is pretty remarkable for a team that we really didn't have many expectations for coming into the season. I think, I think Price has had an awesome year. I mean, he's not statistically, he's um, not as good as some of the elites now, but, you know, he's been a bit disappointing and starting to show his age the last few years as the Canadians struggled and and all things considered, I think he's given up 2.6 a game. Uh, He's got about a 9.13 save percentage, so um, it's been great to watch him kind of uh, his renaissance and, uh, you know, show that, hey, you know, I was one of the best for a while and I still have it in me, so that's been exciting. At Montreal, I don't think they have it, but I think they have this. I think they have the team and the and the style of play to stay in it until the last week, and to you know have a chance if they can't make it in to ruin some other team's chances um, that are close to that wild card spot. I mean, they've got a zero goal differential, which means even though their offense is pretty lame at this point, I mean um, they're playing good defense and they're playing you know good with their goaltending. They've had a few injuries there. I think they've had four guys in net this year. Obviously, Price is your main one, but they've been kind of doing a rotation for that backup spot. They you know, they don't take too many penalties. They're pretty disciplined. They've got enough to stay competitive, but I just don't think they have the it factor to get them past Toronto and at that point to even make a, a good playoff run if that were to happen.
0: I agree. I, I just, I just don't see it at the end. Um, I, and I just, you know, it, it'd be great for Montreal. I just don't see it. We are going to talk. I'm going to mention them as a potential spoiler of a team when we get to our top three list. All right. Let's go to the Blackhawks. Rough week. Uh, they, i oh, trying to think. It was Tuesday that they were down, I want to say, 2 nothing and lost to Minnesota. Uh, came back to tie it. Lost it in overtime to Minnesota. Uh, the next night. They, uh, okay. Look, I got. I thought they got hosed by the reps. uh, You know, Drake Caligula uh, scores what appears to be the go-ahead goal with a minute remaining in the third period. Uh, it didn't look like the Boston players really stopped playing to me either. Um, you know, but Blackhawks wind up losing in overtime instead of winning in regulation. And then last night they're up two nothing against the Winnipeg Jets, and they give up five unanswered goals, which is unacceptable. Uh, you could see the tide turning, and, and to give off so many grade eight chances uh, while you're on the power play. Winnipeg getting a shorthanded goal and not getting grade eight chances. I, it was very disappointing to see what happened last night. And if you're the Blackhawks, you want to be considered a playoff contender. You cannot be giving away points, and they gave away four points in the last three games.
1: Yeah, I mean... You mentioned that that Minnesota game is one that you have to have. I mean, they're one of the teams that you need to get ahead of and you need to start separating yourself. And as you lose those games, um, you know, it's tough, even though you fought back into it. Boston, again, you can um, have your thoughts about what the refs did. It, You know, it's a good – if there is such thing as a good loss, you know, Boston's the kind of team that you want to play tough against. But still, when you have a chance to win – it breaks your heart, and then uh, just an absolute collapse last night. Look, I don't think um, – we've been going back and forth. A month ago, I was out on the Hawks having a chance. Then they, you know, they go on a few runs, and they make me think they've got a chance to to get in if if the Pacific continues to just bring themselves down. I I think it's over. I mean, they've got – they still have a chance. Obviously, they're only four points out. If they were to make a move like Bufflin or someone to bring some energy back in, you know, i change my story because that's good for chemistry, that's good for play on the ice. Um, it's it's tough because Nashville's starting to put it together, Minnesota's starting to put it together, Winnipeg um, sitting at the top wild card spot. I mean, these aren't bad teams. They, the Central doesn't have the type of teams that um, the Pacific does with the they'll California teams I mean there's no Anaheim there's no San Jose and there's no LA to just to boost you up with some easy wins. every game is a battle and you need these games and when you give up you know big leads or um, lose those tight games they come back to to be the difference and I don't know I I'm hopeful for the Hawks of course but I just don't know if if they have it in them when there's you know five good teams ahead of them currently in the standings.
0: Yeah, you think about it and you make a great point because these are backbreaking games where you know, you can't give away these points and it makes you want to jump off. The, the thing is, is, every time you think they're done, now they're going to go on a run. And this is a very important run. This is a trip entirely through Western Canada. They start in Winnipeg. Uh, tomorrow night, they're in Edmonton. I believe they're in Calgary Wednesday. No, I think it's Vancouver Wednesday. Or is it Calgary? Um, and then I think it's Calgary and then back... It's a really weird trip because normally they do Edmonton and Calgary back-to-back, but I'm almost positive it's they go Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, back to Calgary, and then back to Winnipeg, which is very weird because uh, the Calgary game, I believe it's not until, yes, exactly, you know, you're you doing the thing because Edmonton and Calgary are closer. Instead, you have to go to, up to Alberta to Edmonton to go to British Columbia to Vancouver to fly back to Alberta to go to Calgary, and then on your way home, oh, we'll stop by and play Winnipeg again for the second time in a week in Winnipeg. And they really, look, I think they need to go 3-1-1 and on this trip to be considered a serious playoff contender. Well, you got your one loss. So I think you've got to find a way to go 3-0-1 and you've got Connor McDavid waiting for you tomorrow night. That ought to be fun. And then you have Vancouver with the Glens and then Calgary with the Glens and then you come back to Winnipeg. So, I mean, this is going to be a season-defining trip to me in terms of, you know, for the Chicago Blackhawks. And they have just got rid of any margin of error. I'm not ready to write them off, but their power play sucks. And, I mean, you know, you give them a shorthanded goal. And, and I was reading an article it might have been last night before I went to bed on The Athletic uh, by Mark Lazarus, who goes, y- you know, it- it's only been a decade now, but you think the same entry that you do every single freaking time needs to stop if you're in this team? And I know it's something you and I have talked about, about how this need- it- it's ridiculous that we continue to-, to watch this. It's the same thing. Bring it up. dump it back. Which, by the way, wastes time. To Kane and let Kane bring it up, but then people start to stop it, so they just got kind of to throw it to the side. Just freaking dump it in or find a different way to, you know, bring the puck into the zone. It does not have to be Patrick Kane every freaking time. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. We've been pretty critical
1: of uh, Jeremy Colliton this whole season. And um, look, it's not that the Hawks players aren't talented, it's not that the system they run is necessarily bad or, you know, isn't one that can. Leads to success. Teams have figured it out. Teams have adjusted, and now they know how to counter it. And you can't be stale, uh, especially when you're in a playoff race. So, it's um, I think you said it. I keep I keep giving them. You know, this five game stretch is gonna be what makes or breaks their season. And they keep surviving it each time. They're they're doing good enough to to still have a shot. This is the next one. I mean, you said it. These are the teams that one way or another, at least. One or two of them is going to be in a wild card spot that you need, whether it's Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Calgary. These are the teams that you need to beat. You can't keep losing them. But then you even look past that. You go home after that, you know, Western road trip. You host the New York Rangers, who they're not good, but they're not an easy cakewalk. I mean, they've been they've been putting it to some of the best teams in the East the past few weeks. So that's not a gimme there. And then you have Nashville, who. you're Competing for a spot against, you have Dallas and St. Louis and Tampa and Florida in a row. And again, once you leave Nashville, those three, those four games are all on the road. So it's not going to get any easier. If you can't have a good Western road trip right now, you're going back into another gauntlet against teams that are arguably even better than these four Canadian teams. So... Uh, it's it's gonna be tough. They continue to prove me wrong whenever I put them to the this five game. You know, as a make or break, they continue to to survive it. But you know, there's not a lot of time left. They got to start. Uh, they got to start changing it up, making some fresh moves. Uh, whether that's in the lineup or to pick up a new guy in a trade, um, or they're not gonna have enough pieces to get there.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, you probably only need to get to, like, 90 points for a wild card spot at this point in the West because it's just so bad. Um, I, I I don't know. We'll see. But um, it'll be interesting to see because I, I think if you're going to make a move, you got to make it this week and make a trade rather than wait till the trade deadline and try to strike early. And I really feel like this team is just like one or two pieces away from really being a solid team. Not not a great team, but a solid team that could give a lot of people trouble in the playoffs, but uh, we'll see if the core can do it. Um, which, actually, this Blackhawks talk leads me into uh, our class 3. I thought it would be fun to change it up, because I figure... Our top three was going to be a rotation of four teams, Zach, uh, and all residing in the Eastern Conference of Tampa Bay, Boston, Pittsburgh, and Washington. So I said, uh, "What would say it? it's the top three teams uh, currently on the outside right of the playoff picture?" And uh, so my third team is the Chicago Blackhawks. Can this old core do it? Can Kirby Doc continue to improve? Kirby Dock had looked great at times. It's looked really, really good. Uh, that move he did against Boston where he stripped, and I forget who he stripped, but and then made a one-on-three, caused a penalty. I, I mean, that's a top-end play that not a lot of NHLers can make. Uh, and I thought that was just terrific as a barometer of where his growth is. Uh, my second team is the Philadelphia Flyers, and let me give you something, okay? So, I, I looked at their final 10 games, okay? If Philly can stay and keep their head above water, and right now they are tied I, for the last playoff spot. Um, and, yeah, so I kind of cheated, but, you know, they are, what, sixth in their division. So, their final 10 games, uh, St. Louis at home, on the road at Dallas, at Nashville, Versus the Islanders at home, and then at Detroit, at New Jersey, versus Pittsburgh, at the Rangers, versus Nashville at Buffalo. So look at that. Nashville could potentially be out of it, but you're looking at, you know, you have Detroit, you have New Jersey, you have the Rangers in there, you have Buffalo in those last, in that stretch of the last six games you have a lot of winnable games there here Philly, so if you can keep your head above water, and the fact that you get St. Louis and Pittsburgh at home, along with the Islanders, there's a lot of points that Philly can make up in the final 10 games. Meanwhile, I went with Florida as my most intriguing one. They are two points behind Toronto. They've been flip-flopping those two teams. They have a five-game road trip, followed by a five-game homestand to end February start March, which is going to be crucial. Uh, they have New Jersey twice, they have Detroit once, Uh, you know, so they still have winnable games on their schedule. They finish with a four-game road trip through Eastern Canada, so Montreal's in there, and Boston, and then after that is a three-game homestand against the Rangers, Ottawa, and then Washington to end the season, where Washington could have nothing to play for, so there's a lot of room for Florida if they could survive and keep their head above water that they'd be able to uh, have some possibilities to jump up there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think there's probably five or six teams um, outside of Florida that could fit this segment pretty well, just because it, the wild card race is so competitive and there's really good teams that are on the outside looking in my number three. I went with Nashville. I, I've been talking about them all year. I still believe that they have the pieces and the experience to put it together. Um, it's really going to come down to Peccarine. You know, he's, he's had a good year after some struggles early on. Um, can he continue to play at a level that gives them a chance? Can the offense start to produce a little more so that they can, you know, extend some of these leads that they have in the tight games they're playing. Um, I think they've got a good chance, but we'll see. I It's a team that um, I think has the pieces. We'll, we just have to see if they can make it past the Winnipegs and um, the cluster of the Pacific. I've got Arizona as my number two, again, right um, in the grouping of the Pacific. They currently are on the outside looking in, one point behind Calgary. I, I can't decide who I think is going to end up on the outside looking in when it's all said and done from the Pacific, if any. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pacific had both wildcard spots and, and everyone else in the central was was left out. Uh, I think Arizona has some pieces. They showed it when Taylor Hall first showed up. He was producing. It looked like the jolt they needed. Now they've just been disappointing and pretty flat the last couple weeks. Uh, still good enough to remain competitive, but you know we'll see if they can start to put it together. My number one also is Florida. I mean, you just mentioned their schedule. They have a chance to make a run. I look at, you know, do you have the coach who can make the tough decisions and can make the adjustments? You do with, with Quenville there. Do you have a goaltender who's you know been in the playoffs and maybe hasn't had a super deep run, but has been battle tested in some tough matchups? You do. Uh, you've got some offensive pieces that are young enough to to keep scoring and and to stay fresh. Uh, you've got the defense to to maybe hold it together with a good mix of youth and experience. I don't know if they're physical enough. Um, that's one of my one areas of concern. I mean, they're certainly talented enough, but. When it comes down to such a long season, you know, are these other teams going to play tougher than them? I mean, Philly will beat the crap out of you. Carolina is tough. You know, They're young, but they're scrappy. The Islanders, I'm not sure I'd put them in the tough category, but they're still very talented. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Florida does because um, I think Matt and I have both been pretty clear throughout this year that we like them, and that's not just speaking of Coach Q, but uh, of the team that they've put together. I think they've got a good shot getting in. You know, they're sitting just a couple points out from Toronto in that number three spot. They're right behind uh, Carolina and Philly, three points out from the number two wildcard spot. They're good. Uh, they're talented. I think they got the best shot of any of the teams we've listed to make it in.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, which is obviously why I put Florida at the top for me as well, because I, I, I think that this team is going to go on a run at some point. I mean, they do have a tough stretch, a lot of long road trips, uh you know, not a whole lot of short road trips uh, throughout the rest of the year. But uh, we shall see. All right, let's go to our player of the week. I went with Kyle Connor, and not just because he put up two goals last night against the Blackhawks in the game, I was able to watch. Uh, Kyle Connor, eight points in his last three games, eight points overall in this entire week, three goals, and five assists, seven points in the last two games. Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets is my player of the week.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great pick because you've got a guy that's contributing to a team that currently sits in the playoff race in um, that number one wild card spot. I went with a guy who's playing for a team that's also right in the mix of things, Kevin Fiala with the Minnesota Wild. Um, you know, Minnesota was 3-1 on the week in, uh, in no small part because of Fiala. Four goals, three assists, um, big wins that they had to
0: have if they want to have a chance to make it in. So he was my player of the week. Uh, By the way, Minnesota has games in hand on Winnipeg and Arizona. The Hawks do Nashville. It's three games in hand on Winnipeg and Arizona. That always becomes an important part at this time of the year of the conversation. We have games in hand. Uh, Winnipeg and Chicago, I believe, have two games in hand on Winnipeg. Uh, uh, Minnesota and Chicago have two games in hand on Winnipeg and Arizona. Um, And the rest of the wildcard teams have just one game. Uh, The Calgary's and uh, the... Trying to think if there's anybody else. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody else. But, uh, my game of the week is going to be a Thursday night game. It is Edmonton at Tampa Bay. Uh, you get to see Leon Draisaitl, who leads the NHL in, goals, uh, in points, along with Connor McDavid, second, going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Tampa Bay was my pick for either one, which I decided to choose. i playing Pittsburgh tomorrow night, which would be a fantastic game. But I went with Edmonton, uh, going all the way across country to play the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, two days after they play the Blackhawks. Yeah,
1: it's going to be a great game. Um, Again, as these games become more important, uh, every game is is fun to watch because teams are, not that they aren't in the beginning of the season, but now they're really playing for their spot and for their postseason. So uh, speaking of that, Tuesday night, 6 p.m., the Philadelphia Flyers head to the New York Islanders, to the Coliseum. Out east, uh, two teams that are right in the thick of it. I mean, separated by one point, fighting for that wild card spot. Um, I think they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot. I think Columbus is pretty secure in number th- three in the Metro. So, you know, these games are important. These are the games that either team has to have. Um, it's it's a battle for, for making the playoffs, so I think it's going to be exciting. Expect a lot of fireworks. Um, I like Philly, but God, did you see the stat line of that game against the Devils this week? Yes. I don't know how the hell you get beat. Okay, just to get beat five to zero against the Devils is embarrassing. But the shot totals—I think it was like forty-six to fourteen. It's just embarrassing. If you're Philly, you can't have any more games like that. It has to be your wake-up call. I think it starts tomorrow night.
0: Not the first time that they've like gotten out shot like that this year. Uh, what was that? The game in Edmonton, like in November. It's just crazy. Yeah, it it is just crazy. It is just crazy. Um, You you know, but yes, uh, with Philly, I mean, yeah. And there's been several times, I want to say, there was a game against Colorado that they got outshot like crazy too. So that's what makes me hesitant. as a team that you think might make the uh, playoffs. All right. So, Zach, you were in Vegas. I know you had a lot of luck. You didn't come home with empty pockets. And we're not here to talk about the Vegas trip, but it leads into our final segment of the podcast, Smith's Hits. And I know you got a lot that you want to cover this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was exhilarating to be out in Vegas. I'll be honest. I um, came away with more money betting on the NHL. I pretty much lost money and everything else. I couldn't hit an NBA game to save my life. Good job. Um, I, you know, college basketball. What a crapshoot that is. Um, I did take the Chiefs for the Super Bowl, so that was my big win. Good call. Um, you know, I I think I went over five in my college basketball games on Saturday, the day before. I'd been thinking San Francisco 49ers for two weeks, and then I realized I can't pick a game worth a damn, so I decided to switch Chiefs as I got up to the counter. But... One Did of you the, come out ahead
0: in the uh, during the weekend? No. no really? No, it was, you know... Even with your NHL pits, and I know you were on fire with your NHL pits.
1: Yeah, it was... Um, you know, I didn't lose a ton. That definitely helped make up for some of it, but overall, uh, betting, I probably broke about even. as the table games that got me. So... Um, you know, wow. you win some, you lose hey, some.
0: Hey, hey so we're, we don't count the tables games here <laughs> on Smith's Hits. We just count the betting yeah,
1: game. Yeah. Well, my pockets were definitely lighter after a full uh, four days out there. But one of the interesting things, and, you know, Matt, you and I were talking about it earlier today, is um, obviously you can bet on the individual games. You can bet on who's going to, you know, be the MVP who's mm-hmm. going to uh, score the most goals. You can bet on anything when you're out there. Cause it's all just a bunch of degenerates and it's awesome. Um, it's your kind of town. Yeah, it really is. I, I felt at home. So I picked up a sheet here and this is from uh, a week and a half ago, but just showing the, the betting odds for who's going to win each division. And, um, it's not surprising, some of them, I kind of wanted to go by the division, just the top three teams that are in each division right now and what their odds were, um, who's favored, things like that. So obviously in the Atlantic, the Bruins were going to be favored. They're minus 230. Um, they've got the number one spot, and Tampa's given them a good chance. That's um, I think that's really why they're at plus 200. They're right behind. Um, and as these games come down, I think Tampa's going to have a good chance, but an easy pick for those top two. It's funny, they gave the same odds to Toronto and Florida. Just goes to show you how tight that number three spot really is between the two teams, and I think it speaks to uh, to what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Uh, it's going to be a toss-up with Florida and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Going into the Metro, same thing. Capitals, big favorite. Penguins, uh, a little bit behind them. They've got them separated by a few... Um, you know, a few dollars in here. Capitals are minus 400. Penguins plus 300. But I think Pittsburgh is a pretty good value because they do have a shot. Uh, Columbus, who currently sits at third in the Metro, they have them with an odds of plus 4,000. That's behind the New York Islanders. That's behind the Carolina Hurricanes. Obviously, the Blue Jackets have come on pretty hot recently. Um, so good value there. I mean, I don't think they have a chance to overtake Washington, but no. Funny to see that um, you know they're sitting at plus four thousand, tied with the Flyers at those odds. So you go into the West. It's, a, I mean, we'll get into the Pacific, which obviously is is a shit show, um, but the Central Division, the Blues, uh, to no surprise, are at minus one hundred and sixty. They're at the favorites. The Avalanche right behind them, plus one seventy five. Stars okay. plus seven fifty. So that just goes to show you how good. Uh, the Blues and the Avalanche are, and how much better they are, really. The, the money supports it. They're the top two teams in the West by, um, by a wide margin. And then you go to the Pacific, and I'm just going to read it for you. The Canucks are the favorites at plus 145. The Oilers at plus 275. The Flames at plus 375. The Golden Knights at plus 550. And the Coyotes at plus 800. Just goes to show you that no one's a clear favorite. I mean, you're you're getting value on all those picks. And why shouldn't you? I, you, could, you, you could flip a coin for any of these games. You could throw a dart onto a random board. There's no way to know who's going to win it right now. The odds in Vegas suggest that. So interesting to see that, you know, the things we've been talking about all season are represented by Vegas on, yep. um, you know, where the money's going. So that Pacific was just... Interesting to see because even they don't know what the right, hell is going and on. Right, that's
0: why there uh, you get value if you can pick it right. Yeah, if not, you know, you're not going to lose
1: too much. Yeah, and that's what makes it exciting. Um, the other points that are just fun to to look at: the Ottawa Senators. If you wanted really good value, they are plus. Let me make sure I get this right because there's a lot of zeros. Plus one hundred thousand um to win the division so that means if you bet a dollar you're going to be rich for the rest of your life but you're also going to lose a dollar because ottawa is not good
0: um you're saying they got a chance
1: yeah even worse than that the new jersey Devils at plus plus five hundred thousand again um it's just crazy That's, what are the red wings are they even on there but the red wings don't have odds yeah you, you can't <laughs> even bet on they're just that bad and they couldn't they must have run out of ink to print the number. Well, you know? I think
0: they've been mathematically eliminated from the division because even if they were to win every game and Boston were to lose every game, There's Boston would outside. lose to other teams like Tampa Bay, that it just would be the mathematically impossible. The way the math works impossible. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Um, it's like that Peter Griffin like, in Family Guy where he play blackjack. 20, hit me. 21, hit me. Yeah. Hit me. Hit me. It's...
1: <laughs> 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 Uh, again, this is a week and a half old, so I'm sure some of these other lines may be off as the Senators and the Devils and other teams start to get eliminated. Detroit
0: did beat Boston yesterday, which
1: you know is is crazy. Uh, I can't even imagine the value you got on that line because they were probably at plus seven or eight hundred. Just a, just a crazy. Um, crazy number so Pretty crazy odds so you think about it yeah just, it. yeah it's it's always fun to look at the number i mean i think it's fun again i'm a bit of a degenerate so uh, hey, hey, hey. It, it played well you are well.
0: not a degenerate you are a generate I, I don't even take know. it yeah yeah
1: as long as i can generate some money with these picks let's hop into three exciting tuesday night games uh, that we've got on the docket Number one, Ottawa at the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Again, Colorado, one of the hottest teams right now. Ottawa uh, about to be, if not already, mathematically eliminated from any contention. So minus 310 on the money line just speaks to how much of a favorite Colorado is. I still think it's good value there. Um, They should, you know, if everything goes according to plan, Colorado should demolish the Ottawa Senators. Number two game, St. Louis Blues at Anaheim. Again, a matchup that feels overpowering. Uh, the line sits at five and a half. I I just think St. Louis is going to score more than that. Um, or they're going to score enough to be competitive. And Anaheim's been sneaky offensively the past few weeks. They've, they've had a few games where they put up a few goals. Um, all it takes is a couple to sneak in there and you're going to get your over. So, I think there's good value in that game. The final one that I was going back and forth, and Matt can attest to this, because I just couldn't pick a third game. The, these lines are so close, and I wanna—I don't want to pick all easy, easy games. I want to find some that you know either have good value or have exciting lines. So I went with the Carolina Hurricanes at the Dallas Stars. Dallas at home is minus one and a half. I think Carolina with the points is good value. Again, Dallas is—you know—they're a good team. Um, they're getting better on on their home ice. Carolina can be hit or miss in some of their games, uh, especially when they're on the road where they've been. They've been better than um, people thought they were going to be. I just think, you know, I could see it going into overtime. I could see it going into a shootout. So Carolina with the points feels like good value. Uh, those are going to be my three games for Smith's
0: hits this week. Yeah, I thought about that Carolina-Dallas game. It's a game to watch, a game of the week. Uh, I think it will be very good. By the way, you know who's going to be very – very, very happy. In about two months, potentially the Ottawa Senators, because remember that Eric Carlson trade. <laughs> they have San Jose's uh, number one pick this year because of C- Eric Carlson re with San Jose Sharks. So, considering San Jose Sharks are what second worst in the Western Conference, I believe Ottawa will could potentially have two of the top five odds for their picks. Uh, this year, which uh, you know, after allowing Colorado to take your pick last year to take Bowen Byram, was it last year or was it two? It was last year. Yeah, 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 that was dumb.
1: Yeah, it could. I mean, it could really work out. You talk about a rebuild. Um, you get two top five Uh, picks, and suddenly uh, you pair them with some of your your other young talent. It's uh, it's exciting to watch. Forgot to mention, um, as Matt, you know, said last week and. Um, after a good week of betting, 27 and 16 on the pod picks, uh, 56 and 37 overall. So I feel really good, starting to open that up a little bit better. Uh, if you can be just a few games over 500, you're going to be profitable. Uh, to be close to 20 is, um, you know, pre- we're making pre- some good picks and and we're getting bold with some of them too. So it's just exciting to watch um, the lines how they move and as these teams start to play a little tougher uh, as they're fighting for a playoff race at, the lines become even more exciting. So um, yeah, it's, I just love hockey. It's just awesome. I love betting. Uh, There's no better combination for me right now. So um, just wanted to mention that.
0: Hey, no, no, absolutely. Me too. All right. So that is all the time that we have for this week. It's hard to believe we almost went an hour today. I did not think we were going to go close to an hour uh, when I was, when we were planning this, but we did, and actually, next week will be fun. Uh, we will definitely get into the trade deadline. I suspect there will be some moves, and we'll talk about some players and teams that we're going to watch come trade deadline. Because in two weeks, we are the official post trade deadline show for a podcast. You know, here, uh, uh, not that like we're the official official, but you know, we'll be able to talk about the trade deadline because it will have happened like literally three hours before. So, looking forward to it. So, for Zach, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.